Today on Writers Get Animated, we talk duck amuck. Stay tuned. Oh, brother. Hey, Mac, can we get some theme music? Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about animation and storytelling and severely frustrated ducks. I'm Chris yes. Leva. And I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And today we are doing our breakdown, not a shakedown, breakdown, takedown, <laughs> but a breakdown. Breakdown. Shakedown. <laughs> anyway, we are not, <laughs> it's the breakdown of Duck Amok, the Daffy Duck starring animated short directed by Charles M. Jones. Yeah. I was almost said Schultz, but. <laughs> well, it's because you start with Charles. I know. But in the credits, it's, he's listed as Charles. Well, he was wrong about what he wanted to be called. Yeah. So Chuck Jones, the Chuck Jones directed um, disaster piece. A disaster piece? Not a, it's not a disaster piece in the sense of being bad, but it's a disa- it's a masterpiece of a beautiful disaster. Like Poseidon Adventure. <laughs> <laughs> Conceptually, yes. <laughs> so <Wow. laughs> but we're we're spending the whole time today discussing it. It's much like our previous breakdowns of What's Opera Doc, The Sorcerer's Apprentice, and now this. This is, yes. the, this is the third one. We're finally giving Daffy his due. Is this it? Did we break down Steamboat Willie at some point? Or is that just part of our Mickey Mouse episode? Well, we did, we did a, a character breakdown uh. of Mickey Mouse. We did not do a epi- specific episode breakdown or specific film breakdown. This is going into and... Just doing great English majoring the crap out of a single animated short breakdown. Mm-hmm. Usually we, we sometimes do movie breakdowns, but it's not as extensive as this because we're able to go into something that's shorter. So six minutes, we could actually talk about it piece by yeah. piece, chunk by chunk, and talk about how it operates and what it works. And hopefully be able to take that into larger things or other things. So we look at structure and theme and intent and character and see exactly how it operates. I think our next breakdown should be Bambi versus Godzilla. Is that a single film or two films? If you haven't seen it, it's like a 10 second film of a deer grazing in a forest. Then it gets stomped on by a giant hyper-realistic lizard foot. And that's the end of the movie. So you just ruined it for us. So it's a big cultural moment from like the seventies. Okay. Well, we may look at that, but (laughs) let's, (laughs) since we're getting off track, much like duck amuck does them, you know, in its structure, let's talk about what duck amuck is. For those who may be uninitiated. Duck Amuck is a 1953 Merry Melody short written by Michael Maltese and directed by Chuck Jones, 
Michael Maltese is, of course, um, famous for a lot of his Bugs Bunny writing mostly, but he also wrote for other Merry Melody shorts. Um, this notably comes after Michael Maltese established the Bugs Bunny Daffy Duck rivalry. That's important. Spoilers for 60 years ago. Um, so Michael Maltese <laughs> also wrote Rabbit Seasoning, Rabbit Fire, Rabbit of Seville, Alibaba Bunny, uh, Robin Hood Daffy, What's Opera Doc, Duck Dodgers in the 24th and a half century, and later went on with Chuck Jones to write for the Tom and Jerry like 60s theatrical shorts that they did. Huh. So, you know, totally not respected at all in the animation world. Didn't do anything to change our world. Hmm, whatever. Uh, Robin Hood Daffy, I think at a certain point we might have to go into that because... Ah, oh, so good. That is that pure like brilliant. That Pumpernickel. Ah. Uh, well, I think a lot of those have some seeds in this. This is playing on those starring roles for Daffy and just taking it to the nth level and really looking at what is the... What is the crux of Daffy Duck's character? Who is Daffy Duck? What is Daffy Duck about? What what is how does Daffy operate as a character in animation? So But I think it's it's not just about Daffy, it's about how does a character operate in animation. It's a thesis on like what is character? Oh, what do you need for something to be a character? Well, certainly. And I think Daffy Duck being so well defined in very many ways, is is a, a good place to start. It's a good character to uh, deconstruct break and break down. <laughs> yes, literally deconstruct at some points. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So um, let's talk about this: the plot of what happens, and then we can talk about what it's actually doing and how it how it does it. Yeah. Do you want to give us a quick walkthrough? Now, when we say quick walkthrough, are we just saying just in one sentence, two sentences, what happens in this film? Yeah, like in a few sentences, what happens in this six-minute short? Where do we start? Where do we get? end? how do we get there? Um, well, we start off with Daffy Duck as a musketeer ready for his next Daffy Duck in another period adventure. <laughs> yes. And then he immediately runs out of scenery. <laughs> so this begins... A war of sorts between Daffy Duck not having scenery, not having the right costume, not having sound, not having things, and everything starts getting taken away from Daffy Duck and played with by a, a really, really destructive, omnipotent being, the animator, who's mm. deconstructing Daffy's world. That's what this is. It's really the character being manipulated by and just played a joke on by the animator who has all the power. Yes. So it's, it's a big in-joke. So if kids didn't know that animated cartoons weren't real, that they are drawings drawn furiously done live um then it would kids are in for a rude awakening at the end of this to understand that cartoons aren't real they are drawn and manipulated by an outer force like a modern version of this 
where at the end it's not like an American animator studio. It's somewhere in North Korea with like Kim Jong-un. Because so many things are animated in North Korea now. Never mind. I, I see. Too much of a stretch? Yeah, too 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 far. I think they they went there a little bit with Banksy's Simpsons couch gag. They went a little bit there showing where the animation was done yes. in Korea. So <laughs> so there's some of that. But <laughs> this is the idea of stripping away and showing that, hey, this is what an animator is doing to their characters. And we'll we'll talk about that as we go through. But Daffy Duck having his world deconstructed by the animator. That's that's what this story is. And if you haven't seen it, you can pay $1.99 and get it on iTunes or find it on Amazon um, digitally and get it because it is six minutes of animation magic. It, mm-hmm. is, it is amazing. Yeah. If, if In fact, we should put together at some point, like, here are the best $10 you can spend on iTunes to like, see animation <laughs> history. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we, we talk about how this omnipotent animator is messing with Daffy and taking things away. And that may sound kind of boring, but it's one thing at a time that goes away in different ways. So the scenery goes away, sound slash voice goes away, lines go away, color changes, um, kind of the concept of Daffy Duck having a contract (laughs) goes away at one point. So him being an actor. yeah. Yeah. We're getting very meta now with what animation is and what you can take away. Um, close-ups and framing and like the structure of a short. Is it the end credits? Is it not the end? We don't know. Um, how the camera rolls, free will. Um, and then of course you take away animation altogether to show who the animator is. And you see like this live action shot of an animation studio. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how it's done because it feels like a, at times it, it feels like a progression, but then they surprise you by taking something else away in a, in a different way. The way it progresses isn't that it gets bigger and bigger necessarily. It just is changing tactics. Yes, which is what all good drama should do. <laughs> <laughs> so unsurprisingly, this classic piece of animation changes tactics in really interesting and believable ways <laughs> while being absurd. And it's that absurdity that relies on what is the internal concept of animation that somebody is drawing and making this happen to a character. So the absurdity is grounded in the fact that anything can happen because it's somebody with a pencil and a paintbrush who is causing the manipulation. So it just lets us know that animation has great power to do whatever it wants. It can change location in a heartbeat. It can take a character and take away his body. And mm. it, it, can, it can just create amazing transformations from nothing. What for you is your favorite? I mean, I guess we're getting ahead of ourselves. I uh, yeah, I was like, not, are we not, at the end of the episode now? No, we're no, talking no. favorite things. Well, this was not, a fun one. 
So not favorite thing necessarily, not overall favorite thing um, about this short, but what was your favorite twist? What was your favorite thing that got taken away from Daffy and how he reacted? Oh, I see. So I think for me, the, the one that I laugh at the most is the end where it, they Daffy says, great, we're ready to get this picture going. <laughs> and then it says the end. <laughs> da, 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 da. No, no, no. And he just gets so frustrated. Like, you can't end this now. And he pushes the end out of the <laughs> way. I think that for me, because you're just like, what has it been? Like, that would be a perfect ending, but it's not the ending. It's the midpoint. Mm-hmm. And the fact that there's even more after that. Because usually that would be the end of the joke. Ha ha. Now it's, I'm ready to start. The end. Dun, 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 dun. And that would be, that's funny on its own, but that's not the last bit. That's not where we stop. And I think a lot of other places would end with the joke. Like, it just shows the war that the character's having. That we're ready to start. No, it's actually the end. Ha. But, and that's that's one joke but that's not where we're headed. It's not just a one-off joke. It has more to do. It has more to say, but mm-hmm. it is, is one of the bigger surprises. It's cause it's a, one of those jokes that is at times or at once it's both surprising and totally expected. Yeah. I think that's, a satisfying twist because it's not just playing with things on the screen at that point. It's playing with like the structure of the piece and what you expect out of a Looney Tunes short. So it kind of gets this whole new bigger level of what you can play with by rolling the end credits early. Exactly. It, it says, no, now we're really in a film and I've just ended it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's it. I like something earlier a little bit better, but for the same reason of expanding what it is. Cause the first twist is like, Oh, we run out of scenery and let's do like a bit about like scenery changing and running out of that. Right. And then the omnipotent animator erases Daffy and establishes because Daffy talks, we can have Daffy who's just a voice. Hmm. So even without form, Daffy has a voice and we get that that's Daffy. Cool. Um, and then immediately the next thing they do is they take away his voice and replace it with sound effects. And so it's this immediate switch of like, okay, the rule is Daffy will always have a voice. Just kidding. He doesn't have a voice. And for <laughs> me, that's a level where they're going from scenery and they expand it again. Not as big as the structure of the piece, but we're playing more with just then visual elements. What is this character allowed to have? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What makes up the character? The only time that Daffy's not Daffy is the end of the piece where we... Daffy loses both a form and a voice because the animator closes that white door on him at the very end. And the rest of the piece is always some kind of Daffy. There's like a bill or eyes or some kind of form or a voice. You always have at least one of those until the very end of this duckamuck because the piece is over. You don't need Daffy anymore. He doesn't exist outside of this. And I guess visually represented, you can tell the difference. And this is a big thing because, you know, Warner Brothers has their duck and Disney has their main duck. We have Mm -hmm. lots of ducks in the Disney universe. But if you took the eyes and the bill, not even the color, 
but if you had the eyes and the duck bill, you could tell the difference between Daffy Duck and Donald Duck. It's that's very easy to tell. And that's <laughs> all you need to define Daffy Duck. And I think Bugs Bunny is a little bit more difficult to do. You would need most of Bugs's head because in a lot of ways, Daffy Duck, and this is done in things like um, Robin Hood, Daffy, and other things where Daffy's bill can be separated from his face. Yes. And that's a thing. It's something external to his head. You can't take off Bugs Bunny's mouth and just have it in a sea of white. You know, it's Bugs Bunny's head is one piece. But for a duck, you can deconstruct it to eyes and the bill, which makes it make sense. Just as as far as defining a character, it makes it make sense that they chose Daffy over doing this with, let's say, Porky Pig or... Bugs Bunny. I mean, yes, their personalities wouldn't work in this same structure, but the fact that it, there's a bill, which is something, in a sense, that can be lifted from the face, yet still defined as your face, as the character, it makes sense that they would have Daffy be the star of this. Mm-hmm. Does that he's make already, sense? Yeah, he's already very meta. And I didn't even put it in context of you have Donald Duck as well out in the world. I mean, for me, the difference between Daffy and Donald is already, huh, black and white. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. But maybe this is where they really establish, like, how different these characters are. Because they're both angry ducks. Oh, my God. Is that where Angry Birds comes from? Probably not. (laughs) But... It's like I, the sequel to Roger Rabbit, Angry Ducks. Angry movie. Ducks. I well, and we we do have the one time where Daffy and Donald are on screen at the same time in the film Who Framed Roger Rabbit, them mm-hmm. playing a you know a a duet of Fran, Franz Liszt doing the Hungarian Rhapsody, which is probably I won't say it's the best sequence in that film but it's the one that defines characters so well and a lot of the difference between the two donald duck and daffy Mm -hmm. i think that the two of them are yes angry ducks but daffy i'm sorry but donald likes the veneer of i'm actually sophisticated (laughs) and daffy doesn't care about being sophisticated he just wants justice and retribution and acknowledgement of his greatness. His character journey is so fascinating because he starts just like this absolutely loony duck, pardon the play on words there, in his earliest incarnations that Porky Pig is hunting and he's just like, woo, 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 woo. Right. And breaks physics there. Exactly. He's just insane. He's just pure insanity. And he turns into like this sarcastic, angry, like second fiddle to Bugs Bunny over time. Which, fun fact about Duckamuck, this is sort of off topic, but I really appreciate that in the 90s when there was a poll of like animation professionals of the greatest cartoons of all time, Duckamuck was voted second in typical Daffy fashion to What's Opera Duck. (laughs) (laughs) I really appreciate real life 
mimicking art in that case. Well, I think that it is true. Daffy is not as great a character as Bugs Bunny because mm -hmm. Daffy has doubt. And you, you always see the thing... <laughs> I'm going to say this. and uh, So one thing that's said about Anne Hathaway... <laughs> The reason why some people don't like Anne Hathaway, I don't feel this about Anne Hathaway. So before we get anyone angry saying about me, about I love Anne Hathaway. I'm saying this right now. But one thing that some people say who are like, she's just, you see her work. You see effort. You know, you see that she's working hard. And there's this episode, there's this Looney Tunes short where... Bugs and Daffy are doing a dance together. They're doing a tap dance. And Bugs does a little bit and the crowd goes wild. And Daffy goes out and he's just like tap dancing his heart out. And he like takes off his, his jacket because he's just getting sweaty. And he's just, and he lays out bear and crickets. And it's like, no, you're just trying too hard. You're just trying too hard. So he's the Anne Hathaway of animation. I guess... Talking about Bugs in this context with Daffy, the one thing that Duck Amok does not take away from Daffy, and I think why Daffy's always second, is because you can't define Daffy Duck without Bugs. Really? Even Duck Amok has Bugs Bunny at the best. Daffy has Bugs as top dog antagonist. That's true. But or that I guess not. Not every case. There's Duck Dodgers and there's Scarlet Pimp Pumpernickel. And Robin Hood Daffy, but they also have Porky Pig. I was like, but they def they redefine Porky Pig in those instances to essentially take the role that Bugs would be playing in those. Yeah, I like Daffy is always the butt of the joke. Yeah, they they essentially transform Porky Pig into a stuttering Bugs Bunny stand-in, a mild mannered. Like innocent Bugs. Bugs Bunny's like actively antagonistic towards Daffy because he enjoys making fun of him. Porky Pig is just bumbling. Yeah. And I think Bugs enjoys pushing buttons, and Daffy is a character that's made of buttons. <laughs> yes. Daffy is just character wise built with a lot of buttons, and Bugs just can't help himself. To just, it doesn't matter where he pushes, but he's going to push a button. doesn't matter what it's concerning. And it doesn't have to be a lot of effort. And that you, when Bugs pushes one of Daffy's buttons, there's no effort. It's completely effortless. Actually, hear you say that, and specifically buttons, two characters who have the exact same relationship as Bugs and Daffy are Dee Dee and Dexter from Dexter's Lab. Thinking specifically of Dee Dee always going, ooh, what does this button do? Like, there's a literal button there that she always wants to push. And Dexter always gets, like, out of control angry about it. It's the, it's the same... Oh my god, is Dexter's Lab a Looney Tunes ripoff? <laughs> what... <sighs> in our world, what isn't in some way... A Looney Tunes or Disney ripoff, like in that, okay, fair. I think they're they're so deep into the language that we have received from animation, animation history, 
that it's very difficult to have something that doesn't in some way have this kind of reaction. So we have Daffy at war with something external to himself while still trying to do his best work. So we see Daffy rolling with the punches. So as we look through this, we see how Daffy reacts. So let's break down how it builds. Daffy as musketeer in this epic, and even the opening credits are crafted to look like it's going to be an epic in medieval past. <laughs> and you're just like, and I was watching that going, what? Because <laughs> I knew the plot of the episode, but I w was like, this is how it opened. But it makes perfect sense because that's exactly what Daffy is expecting. A medieval period piece. And he comes out, he takes a few steps, you know, on guard, warring with nobody. He's like ready to fight. There's no other character. And he's like, ha ha, on guard. And then he just runs out of scenery. It just ends. It's just a blank white page. <laughs> and then his first reaction is like, uh, where's the scenery? <laughs> And he's just very like, what's what's happening? And he kind of like runs off camera and is a little embarrassed by it. like he just suddenly was naked on screen or something. Yeah, like what what's um, yeah? There's embarrassment there. And then the second, um, the second scenery after that is it goes to the um, farm. Mm -hmm. So we go to the barn and the farmhouse and Daffy's like, okay, I'm going to roll with this. I'm, I'm okay. And he gets into his farmers and he's like, Daffy has a farm. And e -I -E -I. and on that farm he had an igloo. Igloo. <laughs> e -I -E -I. Which Mel Blanc, let's just face <laughs> it, Mel Blanc in those moments of realization, like, what have you <laughs> Mel Blanc is just brilliant. And I think that Mel Blanc's vocalizations are built for the Chuck Jones versions of these characters. I think mm -hmm. they're, they're most at home within those physical forms by these squishy Chuck Jones um, designs. Likeable, yet totally malleable in terms of how far their expressions can go. And so we get him now as an igloo and he gets dressed in that to go skiing and he starts singing jingle bells and then he ends up in a jungle and like a tropical island jungle. Right. Like, and so then he, he's like, all right, fine. And then he gets into um, a skirt and gets a ukulele and starts playing that. So then he, and then it's just like it, this. It, you just see this rapid fire four transformations of just scenery, and right when it's starting to get like okay, yeah, we get we understand the scenery, it changes to a different tactic entirely because now we start seeing he's just annoyed, but it's not fun annoyance anymore. Yeah, that's when we get so they. The scenery change at the beginning is the most played out version of that tactic because you get so many variations of that when you think this this animated short is going to be just scenery changes. And right when you're getting tired of it, then you get the whole, like, he loses his voice thing. 
And that's when Daffy starts screaming, but it's just like car alarm sounds. <laughs> <laughs> so you get at that point how angry he is. It's kind of built to like he's already like lost his patience by the time we get to him losing his voice. And there's still like 10 other things that the animator is going to do after this. And I think his reactions in this are just really amazing because you get the broadness of how far these Chuck Jones designs can go. So him just shouting. So his his body just stretched for to fill the whole frame. His mouth opened huge. And then he collapses really small and just barely ekes out and opens up his beak and moves his hands in just a tiniest gesture to let out another random sound effect. It's just like you get to see stillness and also broadness mm -hmm. it's just mm -hmm. really great in character you just see so much with him doing so little and chuck jones is just a master of those tiny tiny gestures that create a character moment oh what do they call it westworld um ah, it's gonna bug me they have a name for the robots in Westworld, like their little gestures that they do. I, I haven't seen Westworld. I'm sorry. Anyway, this is off topic. I can't help you. Don't watch but, it if you're a kid. Sorry. But you're. But it's those things, those tiny little moments, those idiosyncrasies, those little things where you can see everything about that character. Mm -hmm. And it's just the tiniest of gesture. I think if more actors would watch these animated things to see what can be done physically with just honestly all that moves at that second reaction are his eyes his mouth just ever so slightly and his fingers ever so slightly and that's it so to create that focus of action mm -hmm. It's great. You don't always have to be big like Daffy Duck us often is. Like the humor of Daffy Duck is when he's not big. Right. But it's it's but it's also that character thing of testing it. It's like, okay, maybe if I'm not yelling. Oh no, it's still still not my voice coming out. Well, let's talk about who like what makes Daffy Duck. I have pulled here um I've, I've unabashedly pulled um, Chuck Jones, or I'm sorry, um, yeah, Chuck Jones talking about this short and what his goal was of not just analyzing Daffy Duck, but what a character is in animation. How do we recognize who this character is? Um, and he says, who is Daffy Duck anyway? Would you recognize him if I did this to him? What if he didn't live in the woods? Didn't live anywhere. What if he had no voice, no face? What if he wasn't even a duck anymore, which we do see as well, and that's famous. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and of course, in in every instance in this, we know that Daffy is Daffy. Like he's Daffy throughout this. That's what doesn't change in Duck Amuck. He's always Daffy, physically or mentally or whatever, vocally. It's like the film Face Off <laughs> with John Travolta <laughs> and, and Nicolas Cage. You know, you you can tell even though it's Nicolas Cage, that's really John Travolta in there. It really is. You feel that. <laughs> and even though it's John Travolta, no, 
it's really Nicolas Cage in there. They just have different faces. Face off! I'm just going to start shouting that throughout <laughs> our podcast. <laughs> but it, but it, it's... <laughs> Much like the film Face Off, Duck Amok uh, helps define a character without just the physical appearance. Because, yes, Daffy is Daffy when you see the black duck with a certain style, long bill, with his certain eyes. You can know Daffy Duck when you see him. Mm-hmm. But, as and we talked about the eyes and the bill versus the eyes and the bill of Donald Duck. But... If you just heard Daffy Duck, not just talking about his voice and him saying S's, you know, but is it, what is it in him that you know that Daffy's still there? Like if we saw Bugs Bunny, let's say we saw the physical form of Bugs Bunny, what would need to happen for us to recognize that it's Daffy Duck, who switched brains with Bugs Bunny. Mm. Yeah, like how does that behavior change? Mm-hmm. Mm. So if you were to think about that of if to show that they've switched brains, which is a wonderful cartoon trope that happens a lot, you know, whether it's, it's just something that's fun to see another character in a body that's not their own because when you take away the physical form, it's just interesting to see. So we have like Runaway Brain on the Mickey Mouse side. Futurama does it like six times in different yeah. ways. But what happens when it's another character inhabiting someone else's body? And what is it about Daffy's reactions, Daffy's physicalization that would tell us that even though we're seeing Bugs Bunny, it's really Daffy Duck. Something to think about. I'm mulling it. Yeah. I I think it's something we can think about. There are certain poses that are specifically Daffy Duck poses. And I think there's um, an intensity and attention, not attention, but a tension <laughs> that is within Daffy's body that helps create Daffy. He's very tightly wound. Yes, there's an, a there's a tightened elasticity that Bugs Bunny doesn't have. I mean, in earlier, in some earlier cartoons, generally the Chuck Jones ones, it's just he does have a little bit of woundness, but in general, Bugs is totally in control. And I think in Duck Amuck, we just are reminded that Daffy is not in control. Mm -hmm. Somebody else is always in control (laughs) of either of the situation, of his contract, of everything. Oh, poor Daffy. And that's one thing Possibly, and more than likely, the single thing that Looney Tunes back in action got right. <laughs> Daffy not being in control. Right. Well, I was thinking about Duckamuck and how this is an experiment in like taking Looney Tunes characters out of context. Like, is Duckamuck responsible for the next 50 years of like 
putting Looney Tunes in like weird, bad context where the only good exception is Space Jam. Is it though? I use good loosely there. Okay. I have a soft spot okay. for Space Jam. I'm not sure that it is the greatest movie ever, but like many people, I have a soft spot for Space Jam. It came Everybody up. get up. Let's have a bam now. So on, you know, there's that app time hop that shows you your previous mm-hmm. um, life in, <laughs> in social media form. And honestly, yesterday was conversation at work, LeBron versus Michael Jordan. My comment, if LeBron had been there, the Looney Tunes would still be captured by alien monsters on another planet. I think I had this conversation with you. I think that was me. Yeah, it, well, it was me and you while other people were having a legitimate sports ball related conversation, <laughs> overtaking that conversation with the more important question on is Michael Jordan the only one able to save the Looney Tunes, save the Looney Tunes characters in the <laughs> basketball world? <laughs> Slash baseball at the time, partly. That was oh, a ball of joke. Oh. Yeah. So much like Michael Jordan in baseball, when you take someone out of their given context (laughs) and put them into a new context, does it work as well? You know, oh my God, what is that? I'm trying to create a segue back to the real conversation. I'm partly proud of you for like making a completely informed sports reference to talk about animation. (laughs) Hey, this is the only sports I know. Space Jam. That's that's about as far as I go. <laughs> Unless there's a Quidditch film somewhere, then maybe. But I, there are Quidditch films called the Eight Harry Potter movies. Uh, it there was not much Quidditch in the fifth one. Oh, my bad. Seven and a half Harry Potter movies. And really, in the seventh and eighth, I'm not never. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. They didn't take place in the actual school year, so Quidditch was really second out. Because really, when you're battling the dark wizard of the world, you don't really have time for playing Quidditch. I thought the seventh one started like at the Quidditch World Cup or something. That's the fourth. Stop it. We're done. <laughs> I, I'm pulling. <laughs> oh, save us. Save us, Chris. Osseo on topic conversation. Zoom. It's Accio. It's Accio. <laughs> I tried. I tried to get us there and he took us right back off. <laughs> Damn muggle. Okay. Um, <laughs> we're still on Warner Brothers because Warner Brothers does discuss Harry Potter. Oh my gosh. Where did we go? Where did we go? Where did we get stuck? So talk about taking t- people and taking Daffy out of context. Taking conversation out of context. Great. (laughs) This is writers get on track. (laughs) So I I thought like while we're taking things away from Daffy, I was, of course, as I do, thinking about Aristotle because it's me Um, and thinking about the the classical unities of drama, the unity of action, the unity of place and the unity of time. Could you say one or two more sentences about the unities? Yeah, so um, Aristotle's Poetics, which is like this short work kind of talking about what makes good drama from 2,500 years ago, um, (laughs) is still followed and reinterpreted 
over the next 2,500 years into different ways. And he really only talks about the unity of action. That's his big thing. But he's more known now for unity of action, unity of place, and unity of time. Because he does talk about place and time, but it's more medieval to like associate place and time with him as well. Um, but essentially, the idea of these classical unities, whether or not they're Aristotelian, is that a piece of uh, drama or comedy must have one action take place during it. Someone wants something, they try to accomplish that, whether or not they succeed. Um, it must take place in one spot, one physical location, which obviously, since we have film and things that aren't theater now, and even theaters evolved past that, that's not something we follow. Um, and unity of time in that there's not a lot of time jumps, and that's obviously also not something we particularly follow anymore. Although, depending how long your piece is, you can do more time jumps. Like in Duck Amuck, with six minutes long, you can't really do too much jumping in time. Um, there's not much point in jumping 15 years into the future of Daffy Duck as he's driven mad by not being able to have one setting. <laughs> <laughs> so, in this piece, we have unity of time because it's all happening in real time. And the unity of action of Daffy just trying to put on a short cartoon. That's all that he wants to do. Uh, but, of course, we take away that unity of place because nothing makes sense for him. Mm -hmm. So thought about that. Like, what do we take away? Um, and I guess kind of his action, you could say, changes as well because he's the action of trying to do a musketeer's piece and the action of trying to do a farm piece and the action of trying to ski. So it's like playing with drama, not just forms of animation and film. Well, in... In one sense, Daffy does have a singular action, which is all he's trying to do is be in a good animated short. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to make it work and be the star in the starring vehicle. He's trying to roll with it and just make sure that he's the star. And he's trying to make it work by any means necessary deal with whatever he has to do, including fight a duplicate of himself, <laughs> fly a plane, be a sailor. You know, he, he's just doing everything that's asked of him just to make it work with what he has. And in one sense, this is the most flexible that Daffy Duck's ever been <laughs> in terms of this is happening. I'm going to go with it because this needs to work. Mm-hmm. But it is a singular action in that sense. But yes, he is asked to do different things. Fly a plane, be a sailor, play a guitar. Um, which his feet, are, his feet are really stuck in those boots. Those are some tiny cowboy boots. They're amazing. For web feet. Yeah. I was like, ow. Pain. The pain. That's why he looks weird. You're totally right. Because that cowboy outfit always bothered me. And I don't know why it bothered me. It's, just it's the feet. It is the feet. It's the feet. Um, but it's, it's, it's that one action of Daffy trying to make a good film. And that's his single action, even though his tactics change as much as the animator's tactics change. Because all that the animator is trying to do, the animator revealed to be Bugs Bunny at the end, all that animator is trying to do is get a rise out of Daffy Duck? Or is there another action that Bugs is trying to do? What is he trying to... 
I think just get a rise out of Daffy. Make Daffy lose his cool. Yeah. And I'm not sure like why that action ends necessarily. Because I don't think that Daffy ends at like an emotionally higher point than he had been earlier in the piece. Um, but Bug seems to be satisfied and draws a white door and closes it on Daffy. And that's the end of that. Yeah, what's the final thing that Daffy is saying or doing that Bugs closes the door on him? I guess Daffy's just standing in one spot screaming. He's no longer trying anything else. He's just going to scream at the animator. There's nothing left to mess with. And so mm-hmm. Bugs finishes it. I guess that's the closing point there. Yeah. Daffy's not acting. He's not going with anything. He's rebelling. And the one thing that you can do is shut the door. Man, we'd be so great at like teaching introductory college drama courses, just showing Looney Tunes shorts. I, I think that, and this is something <laughs> that I, I heartily believe um, and advocate. I think more theater people Actors, designers, directors should watch animation. Absolutely. And because animation and theater are tied together because we can use a lot of the same tools. I think I've written in some ways some things that are pulled from the idea of duck amuck, playing with what theater can do and having an actor stand on stage. And this is something that Beckett's done too um, in his short plays. But what the actor is doing and what the theater itself and what's available in the realm of theater to play with. Oh, here's a rope, actor. What can you do with it? This? Oh, well, now the lights are off. And now we cut the rope. And now we did this. And you no longer have that. So there is like this, I wish, I think it's play without words. That I believe right. is the short, short play from Samuel Beckett, which is when I was reading that, I was like, is this essentially duck amuck? Like, I remember reading that in school, like, I think this is duck amuck. And I think that there's a lot of, that we tie together between animation and theater that more theater people should watch animation to understand stylization, physicalization, con- you know, using a concept. Because everything in animation can be stylized. Mm-hmm. It's, it doesn't have to be real. So watch more animation, theater people. And especially like Looney Tunes is so academic. Like at the end of Duck Amok, <clears throat> Daffy's like hammering on the anvil, which turns into a bomb as he's reciting the blacksmith by Longfellow. Like, of course, he's reciting like the foremost poet of the time <laughs> in this animated <laughs> short for kids. Did they have the rights to do that, do you think? Or they, did they just go with it? Just to... I, I think that poet will take any exposure outside of poetry <laughs> journal. <laughs> Yeah, but he didn't go. And now a reading from. Uh, I don't know if they credit it in the credits. Maybe it's fair use. It might be just fair use. I think it was current at the time. I don't know. I'm not I'm not a big poetry expert, obviously. I should know more <laughs> about Longfellow, but I don't. 
what else do we have to say about this short that we haven't already said? I think we've said a lot about it and a lot about other things. <laughs> hopefully, lot. hopefully in keeping with understanding character and Daffy and Looney Tunes in context and taking things out of context and Michael Jordan and lots of other things. <laughs> and Harry Potter. Uh, yes, there's, I think we've covered so much that the short has talked about, whether in the short or outside the short, and like why it's so respected. Um, I think the one thing that we haven't mentioned is the iconic like flower space creature of Daffy with the screwball flag on his tail. Yes, let's discuss that. <laughs> How insane can this animation get? Go. Let's draw Daffy as this weird like flower creature outside of a Kurt Vonnegut story. <laughs> with an actual like literal screwball flag yeah, with his tail going like that yeah the the and i think we we see that a lot with the the pink flower petal head which is again we deconstructed daffy's personality down to his beak and eyes <laughs> and his manner of walking somehow even though it's now a four-legged creature it still feels like daffy duck Walking. Yeah. Well, it's, he's, he's muttering and walking at the same time. as he, So his action verbally matches what he normally does while he's, I guess, uh, making that action happen. That doesn't make sense. But yeah, you get what I mean. Yes, his, his physical action is matching his vocal action, mm -hmm. as, which is something that traditionally happens. Daffy Duck walks around and thinks. He's... Daffy Duck is usually in motion. You very rarely see a still Daffy Duck unless, unless it's staring, um, giving a side eye or a death look at somebody. That's True. when Daffy Duck is still, when he's staring at somebody right before he says, I hate you. You're despicable. <laughs> exactly. That's the... That's the moment when Daffy is still, when he's just letting you know that he hates you. <laughs> I hate you so much. Would you say, Chris, that that is your favorite thing? I think that is my favorite thing uh, about Chuck Jones characters in general, is when they either deadpan to the camera or they just look at each other and it's just, Nothing moves on them. There's no movement, and it's all just personality in pose and facial expression. It's just a beautiful pose, and mm -hmm. it just... But it's a pose of annoyance and frustration. It's just like, this is what we feel in the world, and here it is just bundled up in the form of a duck. <laughs> yes. I, I can see that. What is uh, your favorite thing through this watching of Duck Amok? Through this watching as an adult with an understanding of contracts and how Hollywood works and the whole business of trying to do show business is Daffy as he's muttering, walking as a flower creature, <laughs> talking about his contract. Like, I've, I've fulfilled the duties of my contract. I've been keeping myself trim. And it's like Daffy Duck concerned about his weight as he's like... <laughs> Being erased and redrawn as different creatures. <laughs> I was like, oh, Daffy, that's too real 60 years later. <laughs> it's still topical. <laughs> and goodness knows I've been keeping myself trim, goodness knows. 
Like, it's just an unexpected gem as an adult. Like, oh, there's still funny things in this. Good. <laughs> Goodness knows. Oh. Well, awesome. Um, as we have been going through this, we have a new segment that, we, that we're continuing as long as we keep getting responses. So we put out the word on Twitter. We bothered a lot of writers, storyboard artists, directors of animation on Twitter, asking them for their best notes that they've received from people and their worst notes that they've received, either specifically or the kinds of notes that they've gotten, like the best kinds of notes or the worst kinds of notes that they've gotten. So this is writers get notifications from Twitter. Who did we hear from this time? Uh, so this time, Kendall Haney has gotten back to us. And Kendall is a writer for Disney Junior's The Lion Guard. You can find Ooh. her on Twitter at Kendall M. Haney. Um, and the best note that she's ever got is when the note is about character intent slash voice. Because that realigns my focus to the characters and I'd probably become distracted by a joke or a plot point. Anytime I push back to character, I consider it a great note. Which and, is something we love. And I think this goes to Daffy Duck in Duck Amok. This is looking at Daffy as a character, and yes, these jokes and gags are funny and the plot points are funny, but it always goes back to not the joke that's happening, but to how Daffy is reacting to them. Yeah. And I think you could do a very poor version of Duck Amok if you were to forget that it's about how Daffy is reacting as opposed to the fact that it's a generic character getting a, the wrong scenery. Yeah, this it's, this is about Daffy Duck's voice, and that's why it works. Like, Porky Pig in Daffy's role would not be as funny. No, it wouldn't be, because it's all about reaction, and knowing that how Daffy would react just makes Duck Amok work. Mm -hmm. So what's the worst note? Uh, Kendall's worst note, um, notes at script stage when the thing noted was in the outline or even the premise. Earlier the note, the better. So that's being all the way f deep into the process and saying, I don't know if this works. So if the note on Duck Amok, like in final animation approval would have been like, um, should this be about Daffy? <laughs> <laughs> you just go like, really? Like, this was in the outline. We pitched this. We talked about this. We this talked is okay. That this was Daffy. This is but, too high level of a note for something at the very end when we're getting nitpicky. Yeah. Should should Daffy be erased? Should we ever see a pencil in this? Should it, Should there really be an animator involved? Is this about animation? That's the whole concept. That's, that's what... You knew that that was in the concept. You knew that was mm -hmm. here. Yes, but does he have to be redrawn as a flower-headed monster is that too far <laughs> so yes <laughs> so thank you kendall for your responses um we love hearing these and hearing what actual writers in the animation field are hearing in their jobs and life um so if you have received a tweet from us we would love to hear from you if you've not received a tweet from us you can still tweet at us and tell us anyway Yes, the best note you've received or the worst note or the best kind of note and the worst kind of note. However you want to uh, interpret that if you can't think of something specific. Um, but we'll keep doing them as long as we keep getting notifications. 
I may have said this already before. I'm not exactly sure, but next time we are going to be talking about time travel. I'm not sure if I've said this before. This this could be the first time you're hearing it, but it may or may not be the first time that I've been saying it. So for your homework in our conversation about time travel, we're talking about for the first time, which I'm surprised, Gravity Falls, season one, episode nine, The Time Traveler's Pig. And you can't have a show talking about the concepts of time travel without bringing in Marty and the Doc. So we're talking about Back to the Future, the animated series, season one, episode three, Forward to the Past. Ouch, that hurt my ears doing Christopher Lloyd. Sorry, (laughs) ouch. Christopher Lloyd. You know what I found out? I'm listening to a <laughs> to a Star Wars audiobook right now, and General okay. Admiral Akbar is like somebody doing a bad Christopher Lloyd as a squid <laughs> impression. It's a trap! Oh, the Imperials are coming, Marty. <laughs> I would watch that. Star Wars oh, it's the Imperials! <laughs> Instead of the Libyans in the first one. <laughs> as always. Thank you to <laughs> Nigel Coutinho for our engine as our sound engineer, and thank you to Jacob Reed for our theme music. The good one, the normal one, not the one from earlier. Yeah, not not the other one. Um, thank you to Chris Leva for the other one. Um, as always, also, also as always, now I'm time traveling. <laughs> you can tweet at us on Twitter at WG Animated. Or find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash WG Animated. And you can find all of our show notes and links and insanity at writersgetanimated.tumblr.com. Ain't I a stinker? Good night, everybody. <laughs>